really glad you're visiting with us. Um, those of you who uh, kind of haven't been here for our last series, today is a pretty big day around here. This is, uh, this is the 40th week of our um, series called The Story, and this is the last week. Um, this is, it's over. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, we are, we're, we're working through the book of Revelation um, right now. We've been doing that for the last four weeks. Today ends the entire series on the story. Please come see me if you're, if you need to, to know information about that. We, uh, the, the New Life website has just been flooded. Um, actually, it crashed this week on Tuesday or Wednesday um, because people w- listen to the sermons. So we've got around a thousand people a week on average listening to the sermons. Um, from the story all the way back from to the beginning. I mean, people are going all the way through them. If you haven't heard these, these series, um, God has just done some incredible things through these. A pack a lunch because they're like 45 minutes to an hour long, um, some of them. So it takes a while to get through this. Um, but we have had an amazing journey through the Bible, just getting some perspective on it. And today um, is the end of the story. So I'm very excited about that. That said, I've got a lot to cover, um, and uh, we're going to do that couple things going on in our midst. Um, don't know if you know that uh, Bud and Stacy are having another. It's like almost a six-pack at this point. Um, and Allison, got to be soon. This week, maybe, to, maybe like during the sermon. Oh, man. She still looks miserable, and the sermon hadn't even started yet. <laughs> oh, but we're really glad you're here. Um, got a lot of stuff going on in our midst, um, good and bad both. And just glad you, you found your way here today. We believe that uh, you're not here by accident. Um, and uh, whatever, whatever you brought in with you today, um, we want you to, uh, to just be ready to hear a word from God. So we're going to do what we do every week. Um, I'm really excited about what I got to say. I have a lot of stuff here. Um, and I, I got to pray that God will filter what needs to be said today, because truthfully, you don't want to hear what I have to say. Um, Dr. Phil's a lot smarter than I am, and you could just go home and listen to him if you want a, a smart guy talking to you. What you want to hear is what God has to say today, and truthfully, um, if I'm not careful, my life gets so busy that I can forget about that too. So before we get started today, I'm just gonna, we're going to pray together. We do this every week. We call it kind of a deep breath. It's a time for you to take a deep breath and get some perspective. We all come in with all this busyness going on in our lives and stuff. If we're not careful, we walk out of here and miss a word from God. And so um, if you're going to sit here anyway, you might as well get a word from God this morning. So it, I'm going to be praying for me that, I, uh, that, I get, that God speaks through me, and then you be praying that your heart is ready this morning to hear what God has to say. Some exciting stuff, some scary stuff, all of it um, kind of completes the story of God. So... Let's take a deep breath, and then we'll jump right in this morning. God, in the quiet of this space, we pause to remember that you're in charge. If we're not careful, we we think we are, and we hang on to a steering wheel for our life that does, isn't connected to anything. And at best, we steer into things that we wouldn't want to steer into. And so, God, right now in this place, we give you control. Even if we've taken it from you this week, those of us who are addicted, those of us who have, who have consumed our lives with things that don't revolve around you, and those of us who are trying to do what you want us to do on a regular basis, but feel confused, feel hurt, feel discouraged. God, would you take all of that today? Would you guide us? Would you move us in the right direction? God, if we just wanted a cold chill, we could go watch a movie or listen to Oprah. If we wanted to feel better about ourselves, we could watch Dr. Phil or go to Barnes & Noble and find a book for self-help. Truthfully, we know where all of that ends. And so right now, God, we pray that you would give us a peace that passes everything else that comes from the Creator, that today you would give us perspective that we would never have never had if we weren't in your presence. And we thank you for that, where we just stagger away from your presence today with a new, fresh word in your Son's name. Amen. 
Well, we've been going through this series um, called The Story. We've taken the entire Bible um, through this book called The Story. And what, what we did was, uh, 40 weeks ago now, we started this journey. And it's been amazing. You know, when you, uh, when you go on vacation with somebody that you don't know very well, this happened to me in college, I ended up going on vacation with a couple buddies that I didn't know real well. By the time you get home, you know them really well. All the good, all the bad, all the things. I feel like some of you are like that with this journey through the story. I know you better. Um, we know each other. Those of you who have been coming on Wednesday nights, um, I'm doing a, I don't know what we're calling it on Wednesday nights. It's, it's more than a Bible study. Um, it's, a, it's a really heavy time digging through the book of Revelation. Um, and we're having a blast. I mean, it is really a great, we have a fun time as well as just really kind of engaged in each other. Um, 30, 40 people um, are here on Wednesday nights. We're going to do that again this Wednesday night. This is the last week of, the, of, of Revelation on Sunday mornings, but we are going to dig through the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights indefinitely. I don't know how long it's going to be. I'm not even putting an end on it because that always gets me in trouble. We're just going to go until we feel like we, we've got kind of through the end of it. So please, if you hear something today, and you will, hear something today that confuses you or that makes you want to know more, there's a good reason for that. Um, come back on Wednesday, and we're going to dig a little deeper into that. Because what I, need, what I need to do today is to get you through the entire book of Revelation. Um, we've, we've gone through the beginning of the, the book of Revelation, and now we're going to take the rest of Revelation. And, and I want to give you some hope today. I see it on some of your faces. You need hope. Um, and, uh, and I believe that that is the end of the story. I want to jump right in today. I was, uh, as I was writing this sermon, I looked up the TV, looked up at the TV and I saw this, this television show. Have you seen this television show, Doomsday Preppers? Have you seen this? It's fascinating, isn't it? These just otherwise seemingly, you know, very normal people have completely consumed themselves with being prepared for the end of the world. Now, most of them don't talk about Revelation. They don't talk about the second coming of Jesus. They just expect that either the economy is going to collapse or there's going to be World War III or the zombie apocalypse. Something is going to happen and they're going to have to be ready. And it's, it, you know, at first I, I turn it on and I'm like, <laughs> and then in the marathon, six shows later, I'm still watching it, you know, because it's just fascinating. And the truth is, as I'm watching this, the idea of being prepared for the end of the world isn't a bad idea. And if you find yourself leaning towards the preppers, um, if you find yourself, you know, storing up food, and those, I'm not saying that's a bad idea today. But what the Bible says about the end of the world is it is coming. And if, you, if, if you've been studying with us on Wednesday, you know that the birth pains are getting stronger and stronger. The tr- contractions are getting stronger and stronger. And we're headed towards the end of the world. I don't know when that's going to happen. We're headed towards the end of the story. And the Bible says you should be a prepper. You should be prepared. Now, what it doesn't say is that you should be storing guns and ammunition and food and all of that. Maybe if you want to do that, it doesn't say you shouldn't do that. But that's not what the Bible considers being prepared for the end times. Being prepared for the end times is not just as much about going to Sam's and filling your cart full of stuff and then throwing it in your garage. It's about being prepared spiritually, being ready for what's coming in your heart and with your relationship with God. Because here's the end of the story. I can say it pretty quickly and then we could all go home. I'm probably not going to do that. Um, (laughs) Truthfully, the end of the story is that from the beginning, God has been concerned about redemption the redemption of mankind, about living where man is, about being where we are again, and about restoring all the things he's created to whole. Now, as we were reading through the book of Revelation, we get to the the beginning and we see that this man named John is in the presence of God and he's been revealed. God is saying to this man, I want people, the humans, the people that I love the most, the best part of creation, I want them to get a glimpse of the future. I want them to be prepped. I want them to get just an idea. Now, God knows that if he showed us heaven in all of its glory, if he showed us his presence in all of its glory, it would explode our little brains. There's no way we could get it. And so part of the confusion of Revelation and part of the symbolism is that we can't get it all. So he's just going to give us these little, these little examples. You know, Tim's song this morning, I can only imagine, there's just so much truth. If you've read the book of Revelation with us re- recently, there is a whole new truth to that that I, I can't even get my brain around it. So today, I'm not going to explain to you in detail the promises and the symbolism in, in Revelation. I'm going to tell you overall what I believe God's message is. And that is from the beginning, he has been working towards the end. Everything that has happened since Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, all the way through choosing a group of people, the Israelites, 
and, and setting up the temple in Jerusalem, which will now, in the new world, we're learning this. Those of you who are here on Wednesday nights know exactly where I'm going with this. Jerusalem will rise again. That, the, God will use that same group of people. He will restore the same covenant that he started back in the Old Testament with that same group of people. That's why we're watching Jerusalem and the news really carefully because it, what we're understanding is that the, the new world, the new Jerusalem will be raised up right there. And there are some amazing things that go on there. God has been from the beginning fixing broken things. And isn't that good news? Because the, the truth is, the, the closer we get to the end of the world, the more things seem broken, don't they? You know that feeling you get? It happens to me when I do a funeral. Where even a Christian family, even a Christian funeral, I'll, I'll, there's that feeling that when you leave, and we're in the car leaving the graveside, there is this feeling like this is not the way things were supposed to be. This is just broken. And the closer we get to the end of the time, the more things feel broken. But God says, I have a plan to restore everything. Everything back to the way it would be. So I want to make sure that we understand that what God has planned from the beginning of time is going to come to fruition. Here's the thing about God. You need to know this. If you're visiting with us, if you're kicking the tires on God, you're trying to decide what you believe about him, here's one thing you should know about God, is that God has a way about him. He has a way about him. He has some things that describe him. You know, my dad, the older he gets, um, the more the things that, are, that, uh, that I, I've seen in him as I was growing up, I would say my dad has a way about him. He's got jokes. He's got these funny little things. The older he gets, the more they come out, you know, and sometimes annoy me even, you know. But my dad has a way about him. The truth is God has a way about him. And the closer we get to the end of time, the more those ways, those things start to come out. God has a way about him, and and one of God's ways is that he wills to be with you. Now, if you've been around church a lot, you've heard preachers say that God is in you, that God is with you if you're a believer in Jesus, that God is with us, he is everywhere, he is in our room, and we all go, yeah, okay, okay. The truth is, the kind of with us that we're talking about right now is not the complete will of God. He wants to be physically where you are he wants you to see him he wants you to look into his face he wants to look into your face he wants there to be no doubt of your relationship with him he wants to never have the issue of faith with him he wants that to be and it's coming that is God's way that's one of the things he's pursuing with you and here's the thing about God God has these things that are his way and he pursues them at all costs even if it means even if it means taking human culture through punishment and through things that lead him, lead us back to him. One of his ways, look at this, 1 Timothy chapter uh, 2, verse 2 says this, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions and prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. Uh, one of the things I want to say about Revelation here today, um, and we'll talk about this more on Wednesday nights, you've got to come on Wednesday nights if you're at all interested in Revelation, because that's where we're really digging in deep. But one of the things I am calling Christian people to is to stop bashing those who are leading us. Now, the leaders of our country right now, you may not have voted for. doesn't matter. God voted for them somehow. They're there. Now, they may not follow God at some point. God's still in charge. So here's what he says to you. Here's what he says to me. Especially as we get closer to the end times, stop bashing. You're not helping. Every Facebook post, every forward that most of them are lies, by the way, check your resources before you forward stuff. Better yet, don't forward anything. There's just no reason for it. You can't help by bashing our leadership. Here's what God says. Here's what he says. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all of those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Check this out. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of truth. Psalm 138 verse 4 says this, The Lord will finish the work he started for me. Your loving kindness lasts forever. Do not turn away from the works of your hand. You know, and then the most uh, overquoted and least understood scripture maybe in all the Bible, Romans 8, 28. This is a whole other sermon. He says this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. 
to those who called according to his purpose. Now, this is one of the things that Christians love to grab onto when something bad happens in their life. They like to say to somebody, you know, all things work together for good. And you go, well, in my lifetime, it might, but it, I see that they don't seem to work out for people. And it, it hurts our faith, doesn't it? Well, truthfully, the way Romans is talking, the way Psalm is talking, the way Timothy is talking, is not that our lives on earth are the end. It's that God has a plan for us and that things will work out in the end, but it, we may not ever see them until Revelation, until things become complete. He says he's begun a good work in you that will come to completion. God's way is that all men be restored. Now, we know by the book of Revelation that there's going to be some awful men and women in the end of the time, at the end of the time. God is going to give every opportunity, just like I do with my son when he needs to be punished. They start little, and when I see he's not responding, and I see he's not responding, and I see he's not responding, I don't give up. I keep making the punishment worse until he goes, Whew, I guess I'm not in charge. And it works, and he's redeemed. And we're back on the path. This is revelation. God is going to continue, 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 continue until everyone whose heart can turn to God turns to him. But there will be a group of men and women whose hearts are so black that they look God square in the face and say, I know who you are, I know who Jesus is, and I choose to not worship you anyway. And with those, there are no, there's no room for separation from God in the new world, so they will be banned forever. Now, as we go through the book of Revelation, you're going to notice, and again, I, I love to, to, to invite you on Wednesdays. We're really kind of going through these scripture by scripture. Check this next slide out. Revelation chapter 4 is a picture of the presence of God. Now, this is one of the best pictures in all of the Bible of the presence of God and of who he is. We don't know what God looks like. You'll notice that in th through the Bible, when heaven is mentioned, um, you know, I, I'm always careful when I listen to worship songs like I can only imagine, to, to make sure that we're not describing God like us. Because the Bible doesn't say that God is like us. Um, he, he, we know that Jesus is, is, is made in, in our likeness and looks like us in some way. We know that he did when he was on earth. But God is different in a lot of ways. We're made in his image, but there are things that are different. And John begins to kind of tell us not only what God is like just a little bit, but what his presence is like, more importantly. Here's what he says. After this, I looked and I saw a door standing open to heaven. The, the, the first voice I heard was like the sound of a horn. It said, come up here. I'll show you what must happen after these things. And at once I was under the Spirit's power. See, the throne was in heaven, and the one sitting on it, the one who sat there looked as bright as jasper and sardius stones. The colors, like those of emerald stone, were all around the throne. The presence of God begins the book of Revelation. To make us understand, and uh, you've heard me say if you've been here in the last few weeks, that one of the intents of the presence of God, one of the intents of this picture, is to do the same thing that happens when, we, when my wife and I go to Chicago. Um, and we, we can't afford to go out to eat or we can't afford to really do anything fun because everything's so expensive in Chicago. So we go to the outskirts, to the, to the, uh, to the suburbs, and we just drive around and look at really rich houses. It's really fun. It, it's better than a movie sometimes. And the first question when you pull up to one of these houses with this enormous gate and usually some kind of weird birds on the side of the gate and these incredible huge yards, and you, my first thought is who mows that yard, you know? And Rich's first question is always, I wonder who lives there, you know? You see these huge places, and the first question is, who is worthy of living in a place like that? So the scene in Revelation is set up that this is so big. The presence of God is so big. This is so indescribable. It's so weird. It's so far from where we are. Who would be worthy of being in the center of that? It's set up for us to be absolutely in awe of the presence of God. And, and he, here's where... The, the book of Revelation hits you and I right in the life, right smack in the life. When I see you come through the door, and I saw some of you today with this look on your face of, there's got to be more. The hurt, the pain, the frustration, there's, there's got to be more. The presence of God that John's talking about promises that we have an enormous amount of peace, that there is never a moment in our life where we aren't without full, complete peace. We're going to learn more about that in a little bit. Next slide. 
So there is the consequences of sin. As, as the book of Revelation goes, we start to see the consequences of a broken world. Now, as we've said on Wednesday nights, and boy, I took some flack for this on Facebook this week, um, and uh, it's good. It's good conversation. But here's what, I, here's what I said that took some flack, and I stand by it. I believe it. I've been studying this um, for a long time now, and I, I completely believe this, that God's um, wrath in the book of Revelation is not first and foremost about punishment. I don't believe it's about God saying, you've messed up and I'm going to show you who's in charge. That's not what I believe God's punishment is ever truly about. What his punishment is first and foremost about is redemption. He wants to give you an opportunity to see that you're not in charge so that you can see who is. And when you see who is, you will fall on your knees. And when you fall on your knees, you're given the gift and God gets his way. Here's the thing about God's way. God always gets his way. You know, I have some things that I want in my life. I always, often I want a nice, peaceful Saturday. Sometimes I don't get my way in my house. What God wants, God gets in the end. He says, I want all men... And that phrase, all men, is this thought of all men who will bow, all men whose hearts are soft, all men to come to me. I believe there'll be a whole lot more people in heaven than I did when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I learned that there are very few people that will enter heaven. And, God's, and Jesus says the, the gate is narrow, and there will be people who don't ever choose. But as I've grown up and as I've read the Bible, and one of the things, one of the most important things I've learned in the book of Revelation is I believe that these punishments and these continued worse and worse and worse punishments do the same thing for humans as they do for my son Reese, who is a human most of the time. They lead him to redemption. If I'm a good father, I'm not punishing him because I want him to know who's in charge. I'm not punishing him just because he messed up. I'm punishing him so he doesn't mess up again, and so he's led to redemption, and that's what this is. So we see in the book of Revelation, we go through these seals, and if you haven't been here through it and this is confusing to you, please join us on Wednesday night. Love to answer any questions you have then. It's a great opportunity for us to be together and to get some of these questions answered. We see the first, the first thing that really happens is the, fir- the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, um, which are these, these horses that ride through earth, and it's this amazing thing that begins to happen to the earth where the tribulation, sort of pre-tribulation time and we start to see some awful, awful things go on. We go through um, what the Bible describes as seals and, and, and these are the things that are beginning to happen as the end of the world comes. And as, as we get through the seventh seal, um, we, we get to see things change considerably in heaven and earth. And one of the things that I believe changes pretty considerably is that when, when these things happen, they are so supernatural. You know what I mean by supernatural. Things that people will begin to look at and go, well, that has to be God. Or aliens. <laughs> because nothing on earth could cause that to happen. Nothing on earth could make a horse come across the sky like that. Nothing on earth, this is supernatural. And then, this is where the redemption begins already. And this is where the hope comes for you, Grandma, Mom, Grandpa, who have been praying for your grandson, your granddaughter since they were born, and they seem to not be listening to the Bible stories. They seem to not be caring about God. Because what happens is the more you talk to them, the more you pray for them, the more you speak into them, the more they end up in this church, the more they end up in our Sunday school classes or are in our children's areas, in our junior high, high school youth groups. Those of you who are high school youth junior high sponsors, you go, man, I wonder if these kids are ever getting any of these stories, ever understanding this. There will come a time where, according to the book of Revelation, things become so supernatural that faith is changed, and people are changed, and they look up and they go, maybe my grandma was right. Maybe my Sunday school teacher was right. And all of those prayers, all of that hope, if their heart is soft enough, they begin to go, I need Jesus, I always have, and I've just missed it. And redemption already begins. Now, there are a lot of people who believe, and we've talked about this on Wednesday night, there are a lot of people, this is the way I grew up believing, that before things get too bad, the church, you and I, those of us who have already received Jesus, will be sucked out of here before things get bad. Okay, now, I believe that's going to happen. We're going to have what's called the rapture. But I don't think it's yet in the story. 
as things begin, we're going to be around, those of us who are close to Jesus. And truthfully, as a preacher, I want to be around. I want to be around to see all those people come back to, through the door. In fact, the first time I see a horse go across the sky and I feel like, uh-oh, this is the end of the time, I'm going to get in my car, I'm going to get my family here, we're going to stop by McDonald's, I'm going to get a supersized value meal number two with a Sprite because it's the end of the world and five pounds doesn't matter anymore. We're going to head to the church, I'm going to meet you here, and we're going to be taking numbers at the door. There's not going to be enough water in this community to baptize the people that are come to Jesus. And I want to be here for that, and I believe we will be here for that. Things will be hard. Things will be tough. You've got to come and hear more about that on Wednesday night. There's this sense that as we go through this time that things get worse and worse and worse. Just like, and not to scare those of you in the room that are pregnant for the first time, but things get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And we've said this. Just like, just like Jesus calls this birth pains. He calls this, this the end of the time like childbirth. And there's a really good reason for that. And if, you're, if you've ever been through this, I've never been through it, but I've watched it. Now, my wife had two C-sections, and I still got to see, though, the, the contractions get closer and things get happen. Now, those of you who have been through childbirth know that this is why Jesus says this. Things are going to get harder, and you're going to go, is this it? Now, this has happened to some of, uh, will happen to Alice in the next couple weeks. I think this might be it. I think I might should go to the hospital. Well, well, maybe not. Maybe I should. Maybe. And this is what we're doing right now. Is this the end of the world? Birth pains are getting closer. There will come a time. With Allison, with the baby, there will come a time with us, the church, and with the world where we'll go, no more is this it, this is it. And when that time comes, everything changes. There's some things that go on, I've got a whole list of them here. Go ahead, go back there for a second, Tanya, I'm not quite done with that, sorry. Um, we, we get to see some, some uh, events that get worse and worse and worse. And in the middle of that is where I believe the rapture comes. Come Wednesday night, we'll talk about that. Where all, the, all those who have professed faith in Jesus, and I'm going to ask you to do that today if you haven't done it because we don't know how far we are away from this. All those who have professed faith in Jesus, not, not the good people. You understand that, what I'm saying here? We're not talking about the preachers. Some of them I don't even know about. We're not talking about the good people that are going to be raptured. We're talking about those who have chosen Jesus as the way to get to heaven. Those who have said, I can't do it myself. I accept Jesus. Those people in the middle of the tribulation, the Bible says, will be taken to heaven before things get real bad. And when things get real bad, you're not going to want to be here. At some point in this, and we'll be talking about this on Wednesday nights, at some point in this story, as things get worse and worse and worse, there is a battle. Jesus comes down, wins the battle, and there will be a, some sort of a king. The kingdom of heaven will come to earth. It'll be on earth. It'll be about a thousand years. Now, we're not sure if that thousand years is literal or if it's figurative. The Bible says a thousand years is like a day to God. It could be a day. I don't know. We're going to talk about that on Wednesday nights. Come, come talk about that. We can argue about it. But the truth is, the Bible talks about a time where Jesus will, and this is what the second coming is. If you heard about the second coming of Christ, Jesus will come back to earth. He will rule on earth. He will be the king. Wouldn't it be crazy? There will be no voting. You won't have to go to the polls on Tuesday. It will be Jesus is president of all y'all. And those of us who have been following Jesus will be so happy. Now, we're not in heaven. This is not heaven. It's just Jesus on earth, which is a lot better than now. But I can tell you, at that point, as the Bible talks about it, things get worse and worse and worse. And Man, you've got to come in here on Wednesdays how bad they get and what happens. Things get bad again. And, and at the end, now, while Jesus comes back the second time, he will, he will put the devil in chains. And they say, the Bible says that up until Jesus comes back again, the devil is loosed on, loosed on the earth. He's got the biggest leash he's ever been given. Right now, the, the enemy is, as the Bible talks about, the enemy is, is in heaven. He's speaking on behalf of God. Now, we, we like to think, or he's speaking to God um, and trying to accuse us all the time. Now, there's a whole faction of people who, and Christians I've heard say this, they believe that, that, that the devil is in hell right now and that he is tormenting people's souls. That's a whole other thing we can talk about on Wednesdays. But according to the book of Revelation, right now, the devil is actually whispering to God, accusing you and me, and trying to get us sent, banished 
and on his side. And at this point, Jesus says, we're going to kick the devil out of heaven and we're going to send him to earth. And he comes to earth and that's what destroys. That's why the earth is so uh, such a mess is because he's been given the biggest leash he's been given. Heaven celebrates when the devil is out, but earth is devastated. And Jesus, when he comes down for his thousand, his millennial, he comes down for his reign on earth, he takes the devil and he chains him again. Now, when I'm reading this, I'm going, get him in the lake of fire, throw him away, kill him, cut his head off. I don't know why. This is part of the story. I want, I want the enemy gone. But at this point, Jesus binds him and he is in chains for a thousand years. At the end of that thousand years, the chains come off of the devil shortly. Just long enough, and I'm not sure why God does this. The Bible says for a short time his chains come off. And then the Bible doesn't talk much. just says one or two sentences about what's next. He's thrown in, the devil is thrown in the lake of fire never again to affect humans. Now, I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot because the Bible doesn't talk about it a whole lot. But we know that at that point, the devil is gone. He is out. There is no more satanic influence on our lives, on humankind. And that, to me, is when things really begin to change. At that point, you'll read in your Bibles that there is a, what's called the great white throne of judgment. If you've heard of the great white throne of judgment, at that point, after the devil gets Um, gets thrown to the depths, there will be a time where those who are unbelievers, those who have not throughout the times, and no matter what you believe about how often, when you get to choose Jesus, I believe all the way up through those thousand years, you can still say, that's my guy. Now, the consequences of waiting that long are going to be terrible living on earth. But I believe all the way up until then, you can still say, Jesus says this. I love this about Jesus. If you're visiting with us and you don't know this about Jesus, you need to hear. Here's one of the things he says. He says, while he was on the earth, he says, I stand at the door of your life, the door of your heart, and I knock. I've been praying for you today. Those of you who are here today and you feel far from God, you know, since you were born, Jesus has been... And the, the further you get from him, it's... And then you come to church on Sunday and you hear Tim sing, I can only imagine, it's a little louder, isn't it? I've been praying today that you can't do anything. That it drowns out your entire life. Now, in my house, when you hear this, the dog starts barking so loud you can't hear yourself think. There is no question when somebody's at the door at our house. It drives me up a wall. Yep, 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 yep. He's barking and going to eat somebody's leg. I can't stand it. I'm hoping that's in your brain today. I'm hoping you hear this. Okay? I'll be the dog. Because here's what the Bible says, that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Now, what, what do you have to do to let him in? Those of you who don't know the end, of this, the end of that piece of scripture, it doesn't say, I stand at the door and knock, and if you open the door, then you go to Sunday school at least three times a month, you make sure you only miss church when you're on vacation, and then um, you be baptized, you do all this list of things, then I'll come into your life. No, he goes, I stand at the door and the knock. If you open the door, I'll come in. That's it. But John, don't you have to be, nope. But what about the, nope, Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. If you open it, I will come in. I believe the the deal with Jesus knocking will come all the way through his thousand years of reign here on earth. It's going to be awful. The knock is going to get louder. He's going to be knocking at your door so loud that when you open it, you're going to come in with him. But there will come a time where there is no more knocking. And the reason is not because God has shut off his grace. You got that? I don't care what book you read. I don't care what sermon you hear. God doesn't shut his grace off. There is not a time in history where God changes. God does not love us unconditionally and knock at our door and then all of a sudden, sorry, you can ring the doorbell all you want. I'm not coming to it. That's not God. But there comes a time at the end of this story, and this is where we're going next. I'm almost done. After the great white throne of judgment, during the great white throne of judgment, God says, I'm going to build something new. It's coming to earth. The entire earth will be without blemish. 
The entire earth will be without death. It'll be without mourning. The Bible says the new earth, new heaven and new earth, won't have a sun or a moon. God is all the light we need. No shadows. Now, I had this picture when I was a kid of when it come time for heaven, I'd be doing this. Bling! Bling! Playing a harp. Bling! For eternity. Bling! Sitting on a cloud. Bling! Like, how, how does that really want to do for eternity? That's not the picture of heaven. The picture of heaven is here. My feet will be here. But it won't look like this anymore. It'll be new. It'll be whole. It'll be free. The Bible paints a picture of the new world with these trees that bear fruit every month. And the way it describes it, it's almost like it's a different fruit every month. So this month I go out and I'm like, hey, mango. Next month I'm like, hey, there's a papaya. You know, the same tree. This is different. It gets its, it gets its grace. It gets its fruit from God. And everything changes. And God says, in order to get to that new world, there can't be anybody on the earth, anybody in this new world that isn't wholly dedicated to me, that isn't 100% dedicated to me. So if you give your life to Jesus, then you're dedicated to me. If you're not, you, there's no room for you here. There's no place for you here. And you've made your own decision. If you're still to that point, by the great white throne uh, final judgment. This is one of the scariest things in all the Bible. God raises up and says um, that you'll be judged on what you do, on how you did in your life. Now, you and I don't want that. You don't want somebody to stand up before you and say, you get to go to heaven if you were good your entire life. You have to be perfect. Never one time. Everyone who doesn't accept Jesus has to be judged on whether or not they were perfect their entire life. Everybody's going. And then we get the new world. Next slide. We have some good guys and some bad guys I want you to hear about. Please come on Wednesday nights. I don't have time to cover it all here. Um, People like the super witnesses who I believe could actually be Moses and Elijah, but one way or the other, they are the superheroes that come and prophesy and they get raised from the dead at one point. And I know it sounds weird, but when it happens for real, people are going to wet their pants. It's going to be an amazing thing and they're all going to start coming to Jesus. That's not in the Bible, by the way. um, Michael, the archangel, um, he, you're going to see him fight um, uh, the dragon at one point and part of the devil. It's an amazing thing. You're going to see um, Jesus um, as the hero of the story many times. Look at this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. He says, you are, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. You ever heard this scripture? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You may have heard it and you may go, oh yeah, that sounds nice. I saw it on a plaque in a Bible bookstore once. It will be all over your life when revelation comes. When the end times come, you will be claiming this every night before you go. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. This will come out of your mouth all the time. You'll be holding on to your Bible so much it'll have fingerprints where your hands are. You'll be so close to these scriptures. There's some bad guys, too, you should know about. Come on Wednesday nights and you'll hear more about them. The devil, the antichrist, the beast out of the sea, the false prophet. These are all um, people that God raises up and beings that God raises up to kill individually um, throughout the ages. And check this out. There comes a time, Revelation chapter 13, we're going to dig into this next week, um, this coming Wednesday night, really heavily. There comes a time where, where God has unleashed the enemy on earth. Remember this, Jesus kicks him out of heaven and he is making his leash long enough to get to the earth and the, the, the Satan is on the earth. And when he's here, there, is, um, there are marks on people's heads at this point in history. I know this is sounding really weird, but this is absolutely the way the Bible talk, talks about this, that there are marks on heads. They may be spiritual, they may be physical, but one way or the other, those who have chosen Jesus have a mark on their head. Um, and if you've been coming on Wednesday nights, you know that there's a special angel who has a little kit. And I don't know if he has a tattoo kit or what it is. But he has a little kit um, that he, he actually puts a, 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 an X or a cross on the forehead of those who have accepted Jesus, those who have been saved by the king. Those who haven't, those who have looked in the face of Jesus and who have dedicated themselves to the enemy will get a different mark. And they'll be given that mark by the enemy. You may have heard this called the mark of the beast. Anybody heard the mark of the beast? Um, the, uh, the, the Bible says that the mark of the beast is 666. 
Truthfully, if you want to know what the mark of the beast is, I can tell you that absolutely. It's 666. What's it mean? I don't know. There are so many observations for this. There's so many people thinking about it. Um, right now, I've got friends who believe that, um, that microchips that will be implanted in us pretty soon, um, that, that people are already doing this in California where you can, pr- uh, you can actually put a chip in your body that will connect to your bank account. You can go into the grocery store, pick something up, and it just charges your account. You know? um, people are, are, are saying that. They're, they're, they're saying that it, tattoos at some point, the government will, will make you have a tattoo in order to get um, certain things. I, I don't know for sure. But I can tell you this, it will be a choice. It, you will know what you're doing. I know God, and I've read the Bible clearly, and when it comes to the end of the time, and when it comes to choosing the mark of the enemy, you will choose. You won't be tricked into it. You're not tricked by the devil, but you're not going to be so tricked that you don't know. You, when you take the mark of the enemy, you will know you have taken the mark of the enemy. Somehow it will add up to 666. Some people say that 666 um, is, uh, in this point in history, the numbers were really associated with the letters a whole lot more, and that this specific number matches up with a a dictator who were killing Christians at John's time, and this number matches up with that. The funny thing is that uh, 666 is just short of seven. It comes short of seven every time. Those of you who've been here on Wednesday nights, remember what the number seven in the Bible stands for? Completion and perfection. Isn't it funny that God says, you're just, the devil just keeps coming short, 666, he's short of perfection, short of, I think that's kind of cool. Um, the Bible says, or, uh, also there are scholars that say that the name Jesus Christ um, in Jewish, those letters actually add up to 888, <laughs> better than perfect, isn't that cool? Um, so there's all, come Wednesday night, I'll kind of share a lot of those with you, but you, here's what you need to know, that when the end time comes, there will be an opportunity for those who are not choosing Jesus to choose the enemy. And that will have some sort of a form that will give you an opportunity. And this is just God throughout Scripture. He gives us clear choices, doesn't he? You have a clear choice in your life. It's what love is. From the very beginning, it's been what love is. It's been about choices. And that's what this will be about. Now, there's a, a battle that ensues. Um, once the people are marked, there is a, a terrible battle. Um, and we're, we're going to be talking about that on Wednesday night. I'm going to skip down, down to there. One more. Uh, one more, Tanya, sorry. It says this, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations, which are the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. We're going to talk about that Wednesday night. To gather them together for a battle whose number, is the sa- uh, who, whose number is as the sand of the seas. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they were to be tormented day and night forever. Anybody need a Snickers deep breath here? <laughs> it's hard to get. It's hard to understand. But the picture of, it, picture of this is this will be the last battle ever. The last battle ever. Not just even human battles. When my brother and I were kids, we used to fist fight in the front yard until we got so old that, um, that when my mom, we got old enough, my mom couldn't break it up anymore. She'd get the water hose and just until we quit. You know, no more fistfights between brothers. This is the last battle ever. It'll be an amazing moment. And then comes the new world. Check this out. Next slide. Revelation chapter 21. Write, this, write that piece of scripture down if you're looking for something to read in your devotions this week. This is so thick and heavy with symbolism but an amazing promise to what's next. What we've learned our whole lives, or what I learned when I was a kid, was that I'd be sitting on a cloud, and I heard I'd be sitting on a cloud playing the harp forever um, somewhere. But what God says is that, no, the, the feeling that you have right now when you're sitting on a lake early in the morning, if you like to fish or you like to be on the boat, you're sitting on a lake early in the morning, you see that glassy sea, and you go, this is the way things should be. You know that feeling? That's just a glimpse. It's the way things will be, always. 
You won't have to go to work the next day. <laughs> you ever been up, you ever got the got up in the morning and thought, am I really what is today? I can't remember what today is for the life of me because it seems like yesterday. And I gotta go to work. You mean I gotta work ten hours today so I can come home, fix dinner, go to bed, and go to work again? God says, That's broken. That's not the way it'll be forever. Check this out. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. It was coming down out of heaven from God. It was made ready like a bride is ready for her husband. I heard a loud voice coming from heaven, and it said, See, God's home is with men. God gets his way. He will live with them. He will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will be their God. God will take away all of their tears. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All the old things have passed away. See, this piece of scripture, we don't know a whole lot about what heaven will be. We do know a whole lot about what heaven won't be. See, the the most exciting thing to me about heaven is not what's there. It's what's not there. Those of you who can't get your brain around it, those of us who sing songs from our hearts that I can only imagine, we don't have to imagine, but what we know is the pain of this life is no more. The old things have passed away. Then the one sitting on the throne said, see, I am making all things new. You know what he didn't say? This is a whole other story. God didn't say, I'm making all new things. This is an incredible distinction. God didn't say, I'm wiping everything off the face of the earth, everybody who's ever lived, everything that's ever created. Why didn't God go, you know what, forget all y'all. All you've messed up. All, it's been a mess since the beginning. I'm going to wipe out everything, all the souls, everybody goes away. I'm going to create new beings that don't have this problem. Why didn't he do that? God doesn't say, I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and I'm going to create all new things. He says, I'm going to make all the old junk new again. You know why he does that? Because those of us who have been redeemed, those of us who have had the awful life, know what it's like to be redeemed. Because one of the most important things to God is not that everything is perfect, that everything is redeemed. Because that's what love is in the long run. It's taking somebody who doesn't deserve it and giving them your love anyway. It's the end of the story. See, I'm making all things new, right? For these words are true and faithful. Then he said to me, these things have happened. I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. To anyone who is thirsty, I will give the water of life. It is a free gift. He who has power and wins will receive these things. I will be his God and he will be my son. Now, I want to give you an opportunity this morning. He goes on to say, those who have fallen away from me, those who have chosen the dark heart, will not be in the place that is new. Now, next slide, Tanya. I want to keep going. I know I'm running long. One more time. Today, I want, I want to give you an opportunity to do some, to prep, to, to prepare for the end times. Um, now, you can put one of those masks on if you want. You can go to Sam's when we're done and buy all the food you want, and I, I, I think that's a good idea. But truthfully, what God wants you to do is prepare spiritually, to submit to God's way in your life. He says, I am the Alpha and the omega. And this is the cool thing about God. The alpha and the omega means the beginning and the end. And what God does, every time he ends something, he begins something new. So those of you who today are feeling like something's ending, watch careful. Because he, be, he always begins something new when he ends something. He says that I'm the alpha and the omega. God says, I want you. I want to be where you are. And if you today, whatever you've got going on in your life, whatever you brought in here, whatever emotion you've got going in here, if you would say, God, I will submit to your way, I can tell you, your life doesn't get perfect. Ask those of us who have submitted. It doesn't all get easy. You don't, get, you don't win the lottery. Man, I wish that would happen. You don't, you can't, you, I guess you have to play if you're going to win. But you don't, you don't all of a sudden come into money or you don't, all your problems aren't gone, but you have a new peace, a new 
understanding of God's intent for your life and a new reason to live. I'm going to tell you today, don't wait till the end. Don't wait till the end. It's going to get bad. And I, I know that today, I, I, you've heard me say this, that I have a problem with sharing my faith. I'm not very good at it. But when things get really big spiritually, when, when the end times start coming and we're like, yeah, it's time, I'm going to start going to every restaurant that I frequent and every waiter and waitress that I've looked at and said I should have prayed with them. I'm going to start running around town in my car. You can grab on with me and we'll start a list. Go around someone, I should have said this. I should have told you. Don't be a should have in your life. Don't wait. And then I give you an opportunity to start, start living like you, you will for the rest of eternity. The Bible says, and Tim, you can come on up if you want to. I'm going to do an invitation in a minute, give you an opportunity this morning. The Bible says this, that what God intends is not just for one day for there to be all things be made new. That's not just what God intends. He intends for when he, when you accept Jesus now here on earth, the Bible says that God then takes up residence in us in our bodies. And when he does, we already are supposed to be making like we're going to live forever. We're already supposed to be living differently. We're supposed to start making things new. So moms and dads in the room, it should change the way you live your life. It should change the way you parent your children. Leading them to redemption. Leading them to new, to fresh. Being restoring things in your life. Jesus says this, this then is how you should pray. You remember this? Jesus is with his disciples and he's saying, now this is how you guys should pray when you pray to God. He says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. I'm going to stop there for a second. Did you have new perspective on this? Did you used to read this and go, kingdom, I wonder what that is. If you've been going through the book of Revelation, you know your kingdom it's going to be here on earth. Your will be done. The end times, the everything being made new, God, I pray that that would happen. That it would happen soon. And then he says this. Pray this for God on earth like it is in heaven. Pray that it happens now. Here's the cool thing about the promise of redemption. Here's the cool thing about the promise of eternity. Yours starts if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, yours starts now. Wake up. Those of you who've been living like it's not real, one day there'll be a time where you'll wish you hadn't. And those of you who've come in today kicking the tires on Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity today to let you know that today is the day to live like you'll live for eternity. I'm going to go back to that corner. Tim's going to play a song this morning. I'll give you an opportunity. To, if you know the words of this song, please sing it. If you don't know the words, just, uh, just ask God. Today, hey, God, be real in my life. I want to live like I'll live forever. I'll be right back there in that corner if you want to pray together. Stand with us.